Hare Krishna. So, Arjun was traveling and then he got to know, he came to Prabhash. Prabhash Tirtha is on the bank of the ocean. It's a place of pilgrimage. And he got to know that Balaram was there. And he also got to know that Balaram was arranging for Subhadra's marriage with Durjodhan. So, <clears throat> Arjun took up the guise, disguise of a sannasi, and he went to Prabhash, where Balaram was, and he dressed himself up so well as a sannasi that even Balaram couldn't recognize him. <laughs> Balaram invited him to his house and for to have lunch, kind of uh, very with great respect he offered him seat and offered him prasad. And there Subhadra saw Arjun and she fell in love with Arjun. And in the meantime Krishna also came and Arjun disclosed his identity to Krishna and he expressed his desire to marry Subhadra. Now Krishna said, I also want that Subhadra gets married to you, but what to do? Balaram is making some other plan. And you know how Balaram is. <laughs> Once he sets his mind into something, it's very difficult to make him change his opinion. And besides that, he is very fond of Turjodhan. So, <clears throat> then Krishna said, look, you uh, kidnap her. <laughs> And for a Kshatriya, it is all right. Arjun said, but if we do it against Balaram's will, then I'll be in trouble. Krishna said, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. And in Sampuran, there is a description which is even more elaborate. And that was Sattvama arranges, arranged a meeting between Krishna, I mean between Arjuna and Subhadra. 
and in that meeting they were they exchanged garlands and got married that is one way of getting married that's called gandharva vivaha so satyabhama arranged that arjuna and subhadra already got married and here balaram is making the arrangement for subhadra to get married to durjodhan so they became very worried that for a woman to get married twice is not right at least those days it was not right <laughs> and they call dicharini one who has relationship with two men so that was not socially acceptable those days <coughs> so so now they got into a big quandary and so eventually when one day when there was a festival and subhadra went to the temple and when she came out of the temple it was arranged that arjun will kidnap her take her on his chariot and drive away now before doing that arjun asked for yudhishthir's approval so this is also <clears throat> another aspect of vedic culture there so much respect for the superiors that they wouldn't do anything without the approval of the superior and since yudhishthir maharaj is the elder brother arjun decided to take his permission and yudhishthir maharaj sent his consent so it so happened that day down that particular day arjun picked up subhadra and he uh, drove the chariot at that time the news reached balaram and balaram was furious he immediately sent the army jadu army to defeat arjun and bring him as a captive so that was also the custom like uh, like as you have seen in case of samba uh, stealing durjodhan's daughter lakshmana samba was also taken into captivity and so <clears throat> so when the jadu army attacked arjun was alone but he was fighting but it was difficult for him to drive the chariot and fight at the same time so subhadra said okay i will take the reins of the horses and subhadra was an expert chariot driver after all she is krishna's sister and and in the in they couldn't defeat arjun in this way and 
in the meantime balaram was furious like a like a turbulent ocean he was angry roaring and so krishna pacified him krishna said look subhadra is wailing it is not that arjun forcibly took her it was subhadra who was wailing so arjun was not at fault but balaram said no but still uh, i have made some other arrangement and he completely foiled my arrangement krishna said look we are kshatriyas and is done thing in the kshatriya community uh, like kshatriya for kshatriya wants a woman we can take that woman and if the women if that woman is willing so then it, there is no harm in that and so then balaram said uh, arjun is not the right match for her krishna said arjun is the best match for her balaram said look at durjodhan uh, coming from such a illustrious dynasty so powerful so handsome and so crooked <laughs> he didn't say that <laughs> so so he <clears throat> started to glorify durjodhan that he is and then krishna gave one point he said look he may be no anyway let me pick up some other points also let's go discuss some other points also arjuna balaram said look at them as if the misfortune has been always following them they became they lost their father they are brought up in the uncle's house and mother had to undergo so many difficulties and from their childhood they had faced so many adversities whereas durjodhan look at it like as if he is good fortune personified krishna said <clears throat> for a man to suffer is good because just as uh, just air purifies gold suffering purifies the heart of a man so it's good for a man to go through suffering condition and then he pointed out pointed out see look at the nature of duryodhan and look at the nature of arjun even the even their own citizens they despise duryodhan and they love arjun why because of their nature because of their character so why don't you why are you being so biased about a person who is evil personified and do you want to give your daughter to him 
I'm sorry, do you want to give your sister to him? And then Balaram reasoned that people, when the ruler is strict, they don't like him. Just as when the teacher is strict, the students don't like him. But the teacher has to become strict for the benefit of the student. And then he pointed out that they are, <clears throat> after all, Durjadhan is a successor, so Subhadra in due course of time will become the queen. Then Krishna said that, well, he may have all the good fortune now, but what if he dies? Then your sister will become a widow. As if Krishna could forecast Durjadhan's fate. So at that point, Balaram became little uh, taken aback. Do you think he'll die untimely? Just consider the, and Krishna responded, just consider the amount of sinful active reactions that he's accumulating. His lifespan is reducing. So that's also another thing to note. Sinful activities reduce our lifespan. So if you want to live long, don't act, don't indulge in sinful activities. But if you want to die soon, then it's another story. So in this way, Krishna actually pacified Balaram, and then Balaram agreed, okay, fine, then let Bhart Arjun get married to Subhadra and he made the arrangements and sent incredible amount of dowry for the wedding to Arjun. This is how Arjun got married to Subhadra. It has been described here how Arjun saw, or Subhadra saw, Subhadra and Arjun saw each other. There he saw the wonderful maiden Subhadra, who was enchanting to heroes. His eyes opened wide with delight, and his mind became agitated and absorbed in thoughts of her. Arjun was very attractive to women. And as soon as Subhadra saw him, she wanted to have him as a husband. Smiling bashfully, with, side, with sidelong glances, she fixed her heart and eyes upon him. So that is the first meeting of Arjuna and Subhadra. Meditating only on her and waiting for the opportunity to take her away, Arjuna had no peace. His heart trembled with passionate desire. Once on the occasion of a great temple festival in honor of the Supreme Lord, Subhadra rode out of the forest-like, a fortress-like palace on a chariot. And at the time the mighty chariot warriors, warrior Arjun took the opportunity to kidnap her. Subhadra's parents and Krishna had sanctioned this. 
<laughs> yeah, Subhadra's parents also sanctioned it and Krishna also sanctioned it. So in the city of Mithila, there was a descendant of King Janak. His name was Bahulashya. And he was a great devotee of Krishna. So, Krishna, as you all know, fulfills the desire of his devotees. So Krishna could see how, how eagerly, how earnestly Bahulashya wanted to see him. So Krishna decided to go to Mithila. And so one day Krishna went to Mithila with an entourage of saintly personalities, the sages, the rishis. So <clears throat> among these sages were Narada, Bamdev, Atri, Vasudev, Parashuram, Ashita, Aruni, Sukadev, Goswami, Brihaspati, Kanva, Maitreya, and Chavana. Now, in the same city, there was another devotee. He was a poor Brahmana. And his name was Shutadev. So when Krishna approached, when Bahulashya, the king, saw that Krishna was coming with the sages, he immediately came out of his palace, greeted them and escorted them into his palace, falling at his feet. And Shutadev also came and fell at Krishna's feet. And both of them were thinking that the Supreme Personality of Godhead has come there to show him the mercy. Bahulashu thought that Krishna came for his sake and Shutadev thought he came for his sake. And <clears throat> In order to please them both, Krishna expanded into two Krishnas, not only two Krishnas, two sets of Krishna and all these sages. Can Krishna do that? Yes. And one set went to Bahulashya and the other set uh, went to Shutadeva. And both of them greeted them uh, in the most one amazing way. Bahulasha, the king with great pomp, great pomp and grandeur, treated Krishna and his accompanying sages. And Shutadeva also, uh, with his humble arrangement, treated them. And Krishna was pleased with both of them because Krishna only takes the devotion. Krishna doesn't see how much uh, wealth and how expensive, how opulent the arrangement is. 
Krishna's only concern is devotion. In this respect, there are so many wonderful stories. One story that just, one incident that just came to my mind was Narad Muni's encounter with a yogi and a cobbler. How many of you know that incident? Okay, then maybe there is no need to tell that story. <laughs> okay, how many of you want to hear that? <laughs> okay. Once Narad Muni came to the earth planet and he happened to pass by a yogi who was meditating for so many years that an ant hill grew around his body. And he was completely absorbed in meditation. So when he saw Narad Muni, he asked Narad Muni, Narad Muni, will you ask Krishna when he'll remember me and recall me? And Narad Muni said, yes, I will. Then after a while, Narad Muni came across a cobbler sitting under a big tamarind tree and he's doing his job uh, and singing the glory of the Lord. You see, Narad Muni, he just got up and said, Oh, Narad Muni, please come. And he treated Narad Muni with great respect. And then he also asked Narad Muni, Will you please ask the Lord whether he'll ever remember me? Narad Muni said, Sure, I'll do that. And so after a while, Narad Muni came back and the yogi asked, So Narad Muni, did you ask the Lord? So Narad Muni said, Yes, yes, I did. So what did he say? He said, You have to come back another lifetime. And the yogi became so upset. Another lifetime? After so much austerities and all this I have gone through? See the ant hill around my body? And still I have to come back another time, another lifetime. Narad Muni said, what to say? It's not up to me. That's what the Lord said. I don't believe you that Lord could ever say a thing like that. The yogi said. Did you really go to Vaikuntha? I doubt it. <laughs> so... Anyway, if you went to Vaikuntha, tell me what the Lord was doing there. Narad Muni said, Oh, the Lord was passing an elephant through the eye of a needle. What? Passing an elef elephant through the eye of a needle? How is it possible? I thought as well that you are just bluffing. You never went to Vaikuntha. Narad Muni, Hare Krishna <laughs> left that place. He came to the cobbler and he was so happy to see Narad Muni again. And he asked Narad Muni, Did you 
ask the Lord whether he'd ever remember me. Narayana said, yes, I did. And so what did the Lord say? The Lord said that as many leaves are there in this tamarind tree, how many of you have seen a tamarind tree and tamarind leaves? You know, tamarind, just one leaf has hundreds of leaves in one stem. And there are unlimited uh, leaves like that. So Narad Muni said, as many leaves are there in this tamarind tree, that many lives you have to buy, I take birth. And the cobbler started to dance in ecstasy. And Narad Muni said, you didn't mind that you have to come for so many lifetimes? No, at least someday the Lord will remember me. <laughs> someday he will remember me. doesn't matter when, but at least someday it will happen. And then <clears throat> he asked, Narayana, please tell me what the Lord was doing in Vaikuntha. Narayana told him, at that time when I went there, the Lord was passing an elephant through the eye of a needle. And he started, he became even more ecstatic. <laughs> oh, how wonderful the Lord is, how wonderful the Lord is. Narayana said, did you believe? How is it possible that an elephant can be passed through the eye of a needle? He said, what can be impossible for the Lord? Uh, and he picked up a tamarind seed. Uh, because there was many tamarind seeds falling, scattered there. He picked up a seed and said, if the Lord can put this tree inside this seed, why can't he pass an elephant through the eye of a needle? And at that time, all the leaves of the tamarind tree fell off. And the chariot came from Vaikuntha to take the cobbler back to the spiritual sky. Mm. So this is a devotee. Mm. He has his implicit faith in the Lord and his ability. And he doesn't care when the Lord will remember him. He is simply happy serving the Lord. And he doesn't mind if he has to come millions of lifetimes. All he wants is that he can render devotional service unto him, life after life. Now, the question may arise that was Narad Muni just, did the Lord just say it like that or Narad Muni say it like that to the yogi? After all, the guy was <laughs> undergoing so much austerities and penance for so long and still he'll have to come back. So what is the lesson from that? By practicing yoga, you can never go back to Godhead. You have to come back and become a devotee of the Lord. Only a devotee can have access to the spiritual sky. Mm-hmm.
So, <clears throat> anyway, so here huh, the Lord huh, bestowed his mercy on huh, the king of Mithila, Bahulashya, and a poor Brahmin, Shutadev. And Shutadev, the poor Brahman's attitude is so humble. He is thinking, how is it that I, fallen into the blind well of family life, have been able to meet Lord Krishna? And how have I also been allowed to meet these great Brahmanas, who always carry the Lord within their hearts? Indeed, the dust of their feet is the shelter of all holy places. Wanting to please them both, the Lord accepted both their invitations. Thus, he simultaneously went to both homes and neither could see him entering the other house. Uh, they saw uh, that the Lord just came to his house. The king saw that he is coming to his palace and Shutadev saw that he is coming to his house. Shutadev didn't see that Krishna was going to Bahulasha's palace and Bahulasha didn't see that uh, Krishna was going to Shutadev's house. That is how inconceivable the Lord's uh, potency is. In that respect also it has been pointed out that when Narad Muni went to see, I described that, I told that, Narad Muni, when he got to know that Krishna got married to 16,000 wives, uh, he wanted to find out how is Krishna dealing with that situation. And when he went and he saw 16,000 Krishnas residing with 16,000 queens in 16,000 palaces. And <clears throat> they all felt that Krishna is just with him, with her. Just as here, like Shutadev saw, Krishna was with him, Bahulasha saw, Krishna was with him. And it has been described that all the people in the palaces and in neighborhood would see the Krishna of that palace. They wouldn't see Krishna of other palace. And all these 16,000 Krishnas would go to the Sudharma assembly from their house. But before entering into Sudharma assembly, all the 16,000 Krishna would become one, and one Krishna will go into the assembly. It will be nice to make a movie on Krishna, <laughs> with all the special effects showing how 16,000 Krishnas merging into one and going into the assembly. So their prayers, this is Bahulashya's prayer to Krishna. You reveal yourself within the hearts of those persons of pure consciousness who constantly hear about you, chant about you, worship you, glorify you and converse with one another 
about you. This is actually a very important culture to cultivate. Hear about Krishna, speak about Krishna, chant about Krishna, glorify Krishna, worship Krishna and talk to each other about Krishna. Which means to become, to become Krishna conscious means to be, come to that point. And that is the meaning of Manmana Bhava. All the time think about Krishna. Various activities we get involved in, uh, we can't just sit at one place and meditate. And even if we meditate, our mind goes to, uh, goes everywhere. So the simple way is to talk about Krishna, hear about Krishna, glorify Krishna. Like all our activities to be centered around Krishna. Jat karosi, jadasnasi, jadjuhasi, dadasi jat. Like nowadays of course many of you are involved in your different activities and it may not be possible in that way but as much as possible try to absorb your mind in thoughts of Krishna. But although you reside within the heart you are very far away from those whose minds are disturbed by their entanglement in material world. Indeed, no one can grasp you by his material powers, but you reveal yourself only in the hearts of those who have learned to appreciate your transcendental qualities. Let me offer my obeisances unto you. You are realized as the Supreme Soul by those who know the Absolute Truth. Whereas in your form of time you impose death Upon the forgetful souls, you appear, you appear both in your causeless spiritual form and in the created form of this universe, thus simultaneously uncovering the eyes of your devotees and obstructing the vision of the non-devotees. <coughs> Adurlabham. Uh, Krishna is uh, Adurlabham. Not difficult to have. Durlab means rare. Krishna is not rare to his devotees. But those who are non-devotees for them, Krishna is impossible to grasp. So in this way they offer their prayers. And then he was glorifying the devotees. That's also very beautiful. He's saying one can gradually become purified by seeing, touching and worshipping temple deities, places of pilgrimage and holy rivers. Seeing the deities, touching the uh, holy rivers and uh, worshipping temple deities. 
seeing, touching and worshipping, temple deities, place of pilgrimage and holy rivers. But one can attain the same result immediately simply by receiving the glance of an exalted devotee. Just the glance of an exalted devotee is more purifying than the deity in the temple, place of pilgrimage and holy rivers. It has been Gangaro Parosho Hoile Paschate Pavan by touching the holy water of Ganges or bathing in the Ganges purifies one over a period of time. But darshane pavitra karo eithomargon But the quality of a Vaishnava is just by getting his darshan one gets purified. So that is what Bahulashra addressed about all those exalted personalities like Narad Muni, Vasudev, Sukadev Goswami and other sages. Then Sukadev Goswami said, so instructed by his Lord with single-minded devotion, Shrutadev worshipped Sri Krishna and the topmost brahmanas accompanying him. And King Bahulashtra did the same. Thus, both Shrutadev and the king attained the ultimate transcendental destination. So the point here is, it doesn't matter what one is, whether one is a king or a pauper. Both can achieve the same favor from Krishna simply by developing their devotion to Him. So what really matters is devotion. <clears throat> this story I told once before and but again I will reiterate it because it is important. Remember the other day the one question came up that how come although Krishna is Lakshmipati he has all the wealth. Whereas Lord Shiva has nothing. He doesn't even have a place to stay. He doesn't even have clothes to wear. And like Krishna has everything, Lord Shiva has nothing. Yet, Krishna's devotees are poor and Shiva's devotees are rich. Anyway, in, before I go into that, I want to make that point. What is another way of looking at it, or simplified way of looking at it is, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And when one becomes a devotee of Krishna, being attracted to Krishna, he loses interest for everything. It is not that he becomes poor. He loses interest for everything, therefore he doesn't care. And the example is Lord Shiva. Why Lord Shiva is the way he is? Because he is a devotee of Krishna. 
getting Krishna, he doesn't have any interest in anything else. Whereas, a Vaishnava, although he doesn't have anything for himself, but he is Bancha Kalpataru, isn't it? <clears throat> What's the meaning of the word Bancha Kalpataru? Uh, the meaning of that word is, a devotee is like a desire-fulfilling tree. You can go to the desire tree and ask anything and the desire tree will give it to you. So, uh, we approach a devotee, whatever you want, he'll get. And that's where the demons take advantage of this, of this generous nature of the devotee. And like Lord Shiva, take advantage of, um, take un undesirable or, um, uh, or harmful boons from him. And there is ultimately what happens with that, getting those uh, quick boons from Lord Shiva, they invite their own peril. They invite their own destruction. So that is the general understanding. Now let us go through that episode. King Parikshit asked Sukadev Goswami, those demigods, demons and humans who worship Lord Shiva, a strict renunciate, usually enjoy wealth and sense gratification, while the worshippers of the Supreme Lord Hari, the husband of the Goddess of Fortune, do not. Are you getting ideas? Huh? Are you already started thinking, oh my God, better not to be a devotee of Krishna. <laughs> Maybe you should become a devotee of Shiva. After all, we'll get a lot of wealth and lot of sense gratification. <clears throat> so Parikshit Maharaj asked this question. Hmm. Then Shukadeva Goswami said, Lord Shiva is always united with his personal energy. Who is the energy of Lord Shiva? Material nature, Mahamaya. Hmm. The material nature manifesting himself in three features in response to the entreaties of nat nature's three modes, he thus embodies the threefold principle of material ego in goodness, passion and ignorance. The sixteen elements have evolved as transformations of that false ego. What are those sixteen elements? Those sixteen elements are five senses, five objects of the senses, and the five elements of material nature. Pancha Mahabhut, Pancha Indriya, Pancha Tanmatra, and the sixteenth one is Mahatattva. 
when a devotee of Lord Shiva worships his manifestation in any of those elements, the devotee obtains all sorts of corresponding enjoyable opulences. <clears throat> Lord Hari, however, has no connection with the material modes. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the all-seeing eternal witness who is transcendental to material nature. One who worships him becomes similarly free from the material modes. In simple word, as I mentioned, when one is materially attached, he approaches Lord Shiva. When one approaches Krishna, he becomes detached from material nature. Because by being a devotee of Krishna, by getting to know about Krishna, he transcends the material nature and becomes attracted to the spiritual reality. Is it clear? What should a devotee do when he become a devotee of Krishna? Then what should be our objective? To have pleasure or enjoyment in this material nature? Uh, Krishna may provide, uh, that's a different thing, like as we saw, uh, Sudama Bipra, uh, he got all the opulence, but he himself was not attached. That's why uh, it is said that a devotee, he is anashakta sabishayan. But at the same time, jatharham upojunjata, whatever is needed, whatever is required for uh, serving Krishna, he accepts that. But how nirbandha Krishna sammandhi? Not in relation to himself, but in relation to Krishna. That's why we, when we offer in sacrifice, what do we say? Idam Krishnaya na mama. This is for Krishna, not for me. That is the devotee's attitude. Everything is for Krishna's pleasure, not for mine. So then he is saying, uh, Sukadev Goswami pointed out to Parikshit Maharaj that your grandfather, King Yudhishthir, after completing his Ashwamedha sacrifices, asked Lord Achyuta this very same question while hearing the Lord's explanation of religious principles. Hmm? Yudhishthir Maharaj asked Krishna about uh, religious principles. This question pleased Sri Krishna, the king's lord and master, who had descended into the family of Jadu for the purpose of bestowing the highest good on all men. The lord replied as follows, as the king eagerly listened. The personality of Godhead said, if I specially favor someone, I gradually deprive him of his wealth. 
Then the relatives and friends of such a poverty-stricken man abandon him. In this way he suffers one distress after another. When he becomes frustrated in his attempts to make money and instead befriends my devotees, I bestow my special mercy upon him. So what happens when one becomes a devotee? Here also we have to also consider this happens to exalted devotees, not neophyte devotees. Krishna is saying, I take away his wealth. And those who are attracted to him because of his wealth, they reject him. So that way it becomes clear uh, who is a real uh, well-wisher. Those who are coming as suckers, <laughs> when they say that there is nothing to suck, then they leave. And they can be even the family members and friends. But this way one becomes aware uh, who is his real friend and who is his real kin. And then uh, when he is going through these difficulties, who come forward uh, to, to help him? At the time of difficulty, who comes? The devotees come. Uh, so important thing to note that we should we should wait for the time to see wait for the time for someone to be in difficult situation and then you go to him and then he will listen to you then he'll accept whatever you're giving him so that is a devotee a real friend in real need But those who are materialistically inclined, uh, they will reject him. They'll say, well, this guy doesn't have any money, so why should I waste my time with him? So we must make it a point also, as devotees, we should not develop that kind of mentality. Oh, I should go to him because he gives big donation. And when he becomes poor, okay. Koi kaam ke nahi hai. Is useless. No. Our attitude should be the other way around. When they are in difficulty, then we should uh, go to him and stand by him in his difficult period and help him out. And this is how our movement is going to spread. So that's what Krishna is pointing out. When he becomes frustrated in his attempts to make money, and instead befriends my devotees. I bestow my special mercy upon him. Then Krishna told a story. There was a demon called Brika, a son of Shakuni, once met Narada on the road. The wicked fellow asked him, which of the three chief gods could be pleased most quickly? Narada told him, Worship Lord Shiva and you will soon achieve success. He quickly becomes pleased by seeing his worshippers' slightest good qualities 
and quickly angered by seeing his slightest fault. Uh, so that is with Lord Shiva. Uh, quickly pleased, also quickly angered. Quickly angry. Thus advised, the demon proceeded to worship Lord Shiva at Kedarnath by taking pieces of flesh from his own body and offering them as oblation into the sacred fire, which is Lord Shiva's mouth. And <clears throat> although he was performing such severe austerity to please Lord Shiva, Lord Shiva didn't come. So finally, do you remember what Brika was about to do? He was about to cut off his head and offer it in that fire. So at that time Lord Shiva came and asked him, tell me what do you want? Why are you performing such severe austerity? Uh, such inhuman austerity, cutting of flesh, my God, it's disgusting. <laughs> and so the demon said, I want a special boon from you. What? That whosoever, whosoever I place my head, hands on, his head, his head would uh, crack in pieces and he will die. Lord Shiva, without even thinking of anything, said, okay. <laughs> and so then he wanted to test it on Lord Shiva himself. Uh, and then ultimately what happened? The Lord had to come as a little boy to uh, save Lord Shiva from this distress. Once the sages hmm, performing sacrifices on the banks of the river Saraswati. Saraswati is a holy river. Hmm. And then a controversy arose among them. Who is the greatest among these three personalities? Brahma, Mahadev and Vishnu. So they were arguing, the followers of Brahma were saying, Brahma is the greatest. Followers of Shiva said, he is the greatest. And uh, followers of Vishnu said, he is the greatest. So this is how they were arguing with each other. Then they finally figured out, okay, let Bhrigu Muni decide. Bhrigu is the son of Lord Brahma. And so Bhrigu Muni was assigned with that mission to find out who is the greatest of these three personalities. So Bhrigumani accepted that assignment and he went straight to his father, Brahma. And he walked straight up to him, didn't offer obeisances. Brahma became upset internally. What happened to my son? He has become so arrogant came to me and did not offer obeisances. So he felt that anger within, but then he controlled that anger. 
So, Brigu just left. You are not the one. So then Brigu went to Lord Shiva. His brother, so seeing Brigu, Lord Shiva came very happy. Oh, my brother, I'm seeing after such a long time. And he wanted to embrace Brigu. And Brigu said, please don't touch me. You're in such a filthy condition. And Shiva got very angry. He picked up his trident. What? Uh, you're insulting me in this way? I'm angry? I am uh, I am dirty? I am unclean? So much so that you don't even allow me to touch you, embrace you? With so much love I came to embrace you? And this is the way you are treating? I'll kill you. <laughs> then Parvati came. <laughs> Oh, come on, cool down, cool down. He is your brother. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Brigumani left. You are also not the one. Then the Lord was lying on a bed of Ananta with his head on the lap of Lakshmi. So he goes there and just kicks him on the chest. And he immediately woke up uh, and seeing Brigu, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't notice that you came. I fell, I, I fell asleep at a wrong time. You should have informed me that you are coming. I could have made all the arrangements for to receive you. And you hit me. Huh? I hope you didn't feel hurt because my chest is so, so strong, so hard. And your tender feet, soft like lotus petals, must have been hurt. So let me massage your feet. And uh, then Bhrigu considered that Vishnu is the greatest. Mm. Although it is mm, uh, in order to test, but Prabhupada in his purport actually mentioned that uh, that at that time Brigu was not a pure devotee. Because if Brigu was a pure devotee, he could never have done that. And because a devotee is always very considerate and he can't treat the Lord in this way. Anyway, Prabhupada gave that, uh, that how a devotee could never do such a thing to the Lord. Especially when he's sleeping, just, uh, I mean, he could have touched him and woke him up, but he didn't do that, he kicked him. That also in the chest. Mm. But Krishna's reaction was, uh, because you kicked me now, this area of my chest has become purified, and Lakshmi Devi will always reside there. And that is called Sri Bhatsa. Mm. So, you got it, got it is clear, huh? who is the greatest huh? of the three, yes.
वंस इन द्वारका अ ब्राह्मणस वाइफ गेव बर्थ टू ए सन बट द न्यू बॉर्न इन्फेंट डाइड सो दिस ब्राह्मण बिकेम वेरी अपसेट दैट हाउ कैन माई सन डाई बिफोर मी and that is also right after his birth and he blamed ugrasen for that that you are the king in your kingdom uh, such a thing is happening so you are responsible for that and he started to blaspheme <coughs> the brahmana said this duplicitous greedy enemy of brahmanas this unqualified ruler addicted to sense pleasure has caused my son's death by some discrepancies in the execution of his duties so this is the position of a leader if something goes wrong the leader takes the responsibility but nowadays what's happening something goes wrong the leaders put the blame on everybody else they don't take the responsibility mm. citizens serving such a wicked king who takes pleasure in violence and cannot control his senses are doomed to suffer poverty and constant misery then uh, it again happened to the brahmana during his second childbirth his second son also died and he did the same thing came put the cor crop corps of the body corps of the baby in front of the gate or door of king ugrasen and kept on blaspheming him it is not exactly a blasphemy he was actually uh, like sukadev goswami identified him as a wise brahmana because he was indeed wise that's how uh, he could understand that actually the king has to take the blame because such a thing is happening in his kingdom so in this way nine children died soon after their birth and when it happened for the ninth time with the ninth child he came and was screaming like that blaming the king arjun was there so arjun said that okay next time i will protect your child and when the ninth child died arjun who was near lord keshava happened to overhear the brahmana lamenting thus arjuna addressed the brahmana what is the matter my dear brahmana isn't there some lowly member of the royal order here who can at least stand before your house with a bow in his hand these kshatriyas are behaving as if they were brahmanas idly engaged in fire sacrifices 
The rulers of a kingdom in which brahmanas lament over lost wealth, wives and children are merely imposters playing the role of kings just to earn their livelihood. My lord, I will protect the progeny of you and your wife who are in such distress. And if I fail to keep my promise, I will enter the fire to atone for my sin. So Arjun took a vow. Either I protect your child or I give up my body entering into fire. Again, this is the nature of a Kshatriya. <coughs> the Brahmana said, neither Shankarshan, Vasudev, Pradumna, the best of bowmen, nor the unequaled warrior Aniruddha could save my son. Then why do you naively attempt to fit, attempt a feat that the almighty lords of the universe could not perform? We cannot take you seriously. So this is actually a nice example for how the Lord may break his promise, but he won't let his devotee's promise go in vain. But in response Arjun said, I am neither Lord Shankarshan, O Brahmana, nor Lord Krishna, nor even Krishna's son. Rather, I am Arjun, wielder of the Gandiva bow. Do not minimize my ability, which was good enough to satisfy Lord Shiva. Lord, he, Krishna, Arjun, actually in a battle, he satisfied Lord Shiva. Because Lord Shiva also couldn't defeat him. O Brahmana, I will bring back your sons, dear master, even if I have to defeat death himself in battle. <laughs> See what a uh, amazing heroic character Arjun has. When the wife of the elevated Brahmana was again about to give birth, he went to Arjuna in great anxiety and begged him, Please, please protect my child from death. The Brahmana went to Arjuna and pleaded him. After touching pure water, offering obeisances to Lord Maheshwar and collecting the mantras for his celestial weapons, Arjuna strung his bow, Gandiv. Arjuna fenced in the house where the birth was taking place by shooting arrows attached to various missiles. <coughs> Thus the son of Pritha constructed a protective cage of arrows covering the house upwards, downwards and sidewards. The Brahmana's wife then gave birth. Hmm. But after the newborn infant had been crying for a short time, he suddenly vanished into the sky in his self-same body. The Brahmana then derided Arjuna in front of Lord Krishna. Just see how foolish I was to put my faith in the bragging of a eunuch. <laughs> While the wise Brahmana continued to heap insults upon him, 
Arjun employed a mystic incantation to go at once to Sanjamani, the city of heaven where Lord Jamaraj resides. Not seeing the Brahmana's child there, Arjuna went to the cities of Indra, Agni, Niriti, Soma, Vayu, and Varuna, with weapons at the ready, he searched through all the domains of the universe, from the bottom of the subterranean region of the roof to the roof of the universe. Finally, not having found the Brahmana's son anywhere, Arjuna decided to enter the sacred fire. When he couldn't find the Brahmana's son, Arjuna decided to enter into fire and give up his life. Having failed to keep his promise, but just as he was about to do so, Lord Krishna stopped him and spoke the following words. Krishna said, I will show you the Brahmana's son, so please don't despise yourself like this. This same man who now criticizes us will soon establish our spotless fame. Having thus advised Arjun, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, had Arjun join him on his divine chariot, and together they set off towards the west. So the Lord's chariot passed over the seven islands of the middle universe, each with its ocean and its seven principal mountains. Then it crossed the Loka-Loka boundary and entered the vast region of total darkness. So uh, the seven uh, planetary seven islands uh, and there are the seven layers of elements. And then comes to the region of darkness beyond the Lokalok mountain. In the darkness, the chariots horse Shaibha, Sugriva, Meghapushpa, and Balahaka lost their way. Seeing them in this condition, Lord Krishna, the supreme master of all masters of yoga, sent his Sudarshan disc before chariot. That disc shone like thousands of sun. Krishna sent the Sudarshan Chakra, and Sudarshan Chakra gave out the brilliant light, like thousands of suns. The Lord Sudarshan disc penetrated the darkness with its blazing effulgence. Racing forward with the speed of the mind, it cut through the fearsome, dense oblivion expanded from primeval matter. As an arrow shot from Lord Rama's bow cuts through his enemy's army. So this region of darkness is the region of ignorance. Now what cuts the region of ignorance? Sudarshan. Uh, Su means uh, divine and darshan means sight. So Su darshan is actually the divine sight caused by Krishna that uh, penetrates through 
the region of darkness. <clears throat> Following the Sudarshan disk, the chariot went beyond the darkness and reached the endless spiritual light. Beyond that region of darkness is the spiritual world. And the spiritual world is full of a spiritual light which is known as Brahma Jyoti. The Brahma Jyoti. Reach the endless spiritual life, light of the all-pervasive Brahma Jyoti. As Arjun beheld this glaring effulgence, his eyes hurt and so he shut them. From that region they entered a body of water resplendent with huge waves being churned by a mighty wind. Within that ocean Arjun saw an amazing palace more radiant than anything he had ever seen before. Its beauty was enhanced by thousands of ornamental pillars bedecked with brilliant gems. In that palace was the huge, awe-inspiring serpent, Anantashesha. He shone brilliantly with the radiance emanating from the gems of his thousands of hoods and reflecting from twice as many fearsome eyes. He resembled white Mount Kailash and his necks and tongues were dark blue. Arjun saw, then saw the omnipresent and omnipotent Supreme Personality of Godhead, Mahavishnu, sitting at ease on the serpent bed. His bluish complexion was the color of a dense rain cloud. He wore a beautiful yellow garment. His face looked charming. His broad eyes were most attractive and he had eight long handsome arms. His profuse locks of hair were bathed on all sides in the brilliance reflected from the clusters of precious jewels decorating his crown and earrings. He wore the Kostava gem, the mark of Shribatsa and a garland of forest flowers, serving that topmost of all lords were his personal attendants headed by Shunanda and Nanda. <clears throat> his chakra and other weapons in their personal forms. His consort potencies Pushti, Shri, Kirti and Aja and all his various mystic powers. Lord Krishna offered homage to himself in this boundless form and Arjun, astonished at the sight of Lord Mahavishnu, bowed down as well. Then as the two of them stood before him with joined palms, the Almighty Mahavishnu, Supreme Master of all rulers of the universe, smiled and spoke to them in a voice full of solemn authority. Lord Mahavishnu said, I brought the Brahmana's sons here because I wanted to see two of you. 
my expansions who have descended to the earth to save the principles of religion my expansions who have descended to the earth to save the principles of religion as soon as you finish killing the demons who burden the earth quickly come back here to me although all your desires are completely fulfilled o best of exalted personalities for the benefit of the people in general you should continue to exemplify religious behavior as the sage narad sage narad and narayan so this is another understanding that krishna and arjun are the expansions of narad and narayan two sages those who eternally reside in badrikasham naranarayan so narayan and nara arjun is nara and krishna is narayan so here then the question comes like is it but krishna is the original supreme personality of godhead yes but the krishna's incarnations are also in krishna's body therefore to see krishna and our krishna as an incarnation also is not wrong it's all how one is seeing him so then he <clears throat> he pointed out that they are nara and narayan thus instructed by the supreme lord of the topmost planet krishna and arjuna assented by chanting om and then they bowed down to almighty lord mahavishnu taking the brahmana's sons with them they returned with great delight to dwarka by the same path along which they had come there they presented the brahmana with his sons who were at the same infant bodies in which they had been lost so so this is how wonderfully krishna performs his pastimes and by hearing them are you learning something huh yes or no yes or hari bol <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you does anybody have any question yes krishna is an expansion of mahavishnu you see when the lord incarnates in this material nature he actually is an expansion of kshirodaksha vishnu 
You get it? Mahavishnu, Garbhadokshai Vishnu, Kshiradokshai Vishnu, who is the super soul, he actually expands in the as an incarnation. Like the killing of the demons takes place by Vishnu. Hmm. So he is, Mahavishnu is presenting it from that point of view. Huh? That you are my ex expansion. Hmm. My expansion is Narayan. And Narayan now has appeared as Krishna and Arjun. Uh, so finish that business and come back to me. That's what he said. Okay. Okay, Kirti Kumari. Krishna in Bhagavad Gita instructs us to always remember him. On the other hand, he also says that remembrance comes from him only. This implies that we actually cannot remember Krishna by our own endeavor. Does that mean that we can merely desire to remember Krishna? And if so, how can we make sure that desire is not fulfilling? Yes. Huh? Flickering. Oh, desire is not flickering. Yeah. So... Uh, Yes, on our part we can only endeavor. But time and time again we find in the scriptures, it is said, especially in the prayers, that, that Krishna is the source of everything. Right? So from that point of view, Krishna is, the, Krishna is making everything happen. But Krishna makes things happen according to our desire. And our desire can be only can be two-pronged. Sense gratification, devotional service. If we are in the material nature, our desires are for sense gratification. If we are spiritually situated, our desires will be service to Krishna. So these are the two things, like if we want sense gratification, Krishna says, fine. Go ahead. Give it a try and good luck. <laughs> Desires are from us. Desires are coming from us. And it will be flickering when you are really undecided, whether here or there. Right. But when you become fixed, no, it's only for devotional service. Then it won't be flickering. Um, this is from Arti. <laughs> Dear Guru Maharaj, can you please explain about the childhood pastimes of Subhadra Maharani? Who were her parents and with whom was she brought up? Did she spend her childhood days with Krishna and Balaram? Can you also please let me know which scripture to refer to get more information on the same. Yeah. So generally the Purans are giving the informations. Subhadra is the daughter of Vasudeva and Devaki. Hmm. 
Subhadra was born after Krishna killed Kamsa and Vasudev and Devaki were released from the prison. She, brought, she was brought up in Mathura first and then Dwarka. Uh, and she is actually the Jogomaya. In Vrindavan, Purnamasi is the Jogomaya. Jogomaya is Purnamasi. In Dwarka, Subhadra is the Jogomaya. Mm. And yeah, she must have been brought up with Krishna and Balaram. And we can see how fond uh, Balaram was to her, of her. Mm. Vinita Ramchandani, uh, Hare Krishna. Uh, <clears throat> Maharaj, you mentioned that one thing Krishna missed or lacked in Dwarka was Prem. My question is, everyone in Dwarka also loved Krishna very much. So why did Krishna miss Vrindavan so much? Yes, uh, they loved Krishna, but that love was in awe and reverence. Hmm. Awe and reverence means uh, with the understanding that Krishna is God. When you know that Krishna is God, then how can you treat him? That uh, relationship doesn't have the intimacy. Like it's distant, oh, that is how uh, you look up to Krishna. But in Vrindavan, the residents of Vrindavan are treating Krishna as a friend. They are not treating Krishna as God. They are treating Krishna as their friend. And there Krishna is a cowherd boy. Krishna is one of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whereas in Dwarka he is a prince. Right? And, and then also they have that awareness that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So that is the difference. Mm. Krishna was missing that relationship in friendship, mm. in parental and in conjugal. They success successively, they are more and more intimate. Mm. In Dwarka it is mostly uh, servitorship with a tinge of friendship, with a tinge of parental. But in Vrindavan it's pure friendship. Like for example in Dwarka no one will dare to climb onto Krishna's back. But in Vrindavan his friends force their way onto Krishna's back. Right. In Vrindavan, in, in Dwarka, uh, the queens will not treat him in in an angry mood. But in Vrindavan they do. So much so that they say, please don't come to me anymore. I don't even want to see you. <laughs> so this is due to love. A very special kind of love. Love in friendship, parental and conjugal. Is it clear? Sabitri Sundari Devidasi, Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, please explain. Okay. Question. Going back to the start of retreat lectures, you mentioned that Vrindavan Chandra Krishna never leaves Vrindavan. 
Yet, on the other hand, the residents of Vrindavan were suffering from separation from Krishna. Does it mean Krishna was present but in his unmanifested form? Please explain. Yeah, Krishna was always present in Vrindavan and Krishna used to meet with them. But when Krishna met them, they felt that Krishna was, that they were dreaming. And that's the difference. And because of that feeling that Krishna is not here, that separation intensified their love. Because in separation, the love becomes more intensified. Rajat Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj please okay are the demons present in the spiritual world in Vrindavan no demons but the impression or the memories of the demons are there demons are there Brihad Bhagavad Gita is describing the Keshi is there Kaliya is there uh, but Keshi is in Krishna's stable. And when Krishna feels like going on a ride, horse ride, Krishna gets Keshi, jumps on his back and then he goes riding. <laughs> when Krishna wants to have some sport in the water, when one, Krishna wants to ski in the water, <laughs> he gets on top of Kaliya, and he puts his uttariya on Kaliya's mouth and he rides on Kaliya's back along with his friends. So that is how the demons were in the spiritual world. Jagajivan. Question from yesterday's class. As you mentioned yesterday, that some people trying to spread their religion on the basis of some literature, uh, especially Quran, is not actually scriptures. So, the question is, uh, if Paigambar Muhammad is Shaktavish avatar, then how can his instructions in Quran are wrong. You see, Shaktavish avatar is, well, sometimes, you know, it, the expression is used because some extraordinary power, when there is some extraordinary power, it is seen as if it is endowed by the Lord. So in that sense he may have been considered a Shaktavish avatar. But if we see what Islam is doing today, it cannot be seen as a bona fide religion, just as Buddhism. It was established by Buddha. But is it a religion? No. Buddhism has been identified by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the uh, as the process for the atheists. So we have to see things from the right perspective. Like 
especially when we see like when just see how we can assess these when we see that religion is go brahmana hitayacha right to benefit the cow and the brahmanas don't take any more questions we had enough questions yeah no more we let me answer this first uh when religion means to protect the cows but if some people in the name of religion start to kill cows can it be considered as religion religion is to protect the brahmanas but when in the name of religion they are slaughtering the brahmanas can it be considered as religion no that's the point hmm Kishori Devi Dasi morning class Kishori Devi Adarniya Guru Maharaj ji dandavat pranam ek aapne kaha hai ki hame jo gyan jo gyan mil raha hai use dusron ko baatna chahiye mere sath dikkat ye hai ki mujhe dar evam sankoch hota hai usko dur kaise karu ऐसे प्रैक्टिस करते रहो प्रचार करते करते डर दूर हो जाएगा दिक्कत दूर हो जाएगा ठीक है अगर प्रैक्टिस अगर बाहर नहीं कर पाते हो तो घर में करो बच्चे लोग को पास प्रीच करो बच्चे लोग के पास भगवान के बारे में सुनाओ दो नंबर जब मोहिनी रूप में भगवान सभी देवताओं को अमृत पिला रहे थे तब सूर्य चंद्र एवं राहु को पहचान आए पहचान पहचान गए पर भगवान क्यों नहीं पहचान पाए ये देखो ये तो भगवान का लीला है हां ये लीला में सूर्य देव को एक रोल पर प्ले करने का अवसर दिया भगवान बोला ठीक है सूर्य तुम ये रोल प्ले करो हर रोल अगर मैं प्ले करता रहूंगा तो नाटक कैसे बनेगी वी रामा रामा भद्रन ओके Hare Krishna Pranam Bhagavan as you said when Krishna wants to favor somebody some day he takes away all his wealth as it happened to Srila Prabhupada if i am right so how does a rich man becomes a pure devotee by being totally detached from material life uh, You see our business for rich or poor is to offer everything to Krishna. If there is somebody who is rich then he should consider that his wealth should be used in Krishna's service. 
or promoting Krishna consciousness. So that will free him from the bondage of his wealth. Right? And on the other hand, if one uses his wealth for his sense gratification, then that wealth will become a source of his bondage. You see, wealth, all these things are actually material attachment, source of material attachment. So, the attachment means it's going to tie us down to the material nature. Now, how to free us from that? By offering it to Krishna. Now, now comes the, that point. If one doesn't do it himself, then he runs the risk that Krishna will take it away. Before Krishna takes it away, it's better to offer it to him. <laughs> Does it answer your question? Now I know you're going to use all your wealth. Manoj, Guru Maharaj, when Daksha blasphemed Lord Shiva in public, Lord Shiva didn't become angry as he was meditating on Krishna. But how come when Bhrigu offended Shiva, when no one else was there, he became so angry? Well, he was in a different mood at that time. <laughs> like, yeah, like Lord Shiva. Uh, here the point is that, uh, that the nature is becoming manifest in a situation, a particular situation. Uh, Daksha was insulting, uh, Shiva tolerated that. One reason can be also because Daksha was his superior, he couldn't afford to get angry with him. Daksha was his father-in-law. So in Vedic culture, in proper human culture, one cannot get angry with the superior. Whereas Bhrigu was Lord Shiva's younger brother. Therefore, he could afford to get angry. So, this is from Parmeshwari Radhika Devidasi from Gurgaon. Uh, question is, as you mentioned in the morning class that we should offer prayers to Lord, however we haven't developed the praying mood, so how can we develop this mood? Again, Parmeshwari, Radhika, practice. Do make it a point uh, that in the morning and in the evening, fix certain time when you are going to offer some prayers to the Lord. Uh, offering prayers is important. Chanting Hare Krishna is actually a prayer to the Lord. Uh, so when you are chanting Hare Krishna, do it in a prayerful mood. 
Next one is from Ramananda Rai from Belgium. Uh, Yesterday you mentioned how Krishna always protects his devotees, but then we hear that amongst millions of warriors who fought on the side of the Pandavas only, the Pandavas themselves are saved. Only the Pandavas themselves are saved. Also in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that only a few will reach perfection amongst millions. How do we deal with that as neophyte devotees? You see, (coughs) we have to understand that Krishna's pastimes are like a drama. And so in drama, different actors and actresses are playing their role. And when their role is done, what did they do? Do they still keep on standing on the stage? Huh? Or they go to the green room, take off their <laughs> take off their makeup and get ready to go home. So battle of Kurukshetra was fought, Pandavas won. So those who sided on the Pandava, Krishna made arrangement. Okay, the plays, uh, your roles, you have played very nicely, huh? go back to Godhead. Mm. And there you'll get your payments. <laughs> Radha Piyaridasi, <laughs> Hare Guru. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please. Okay. Question, when we deal with non-devotees, many times people want to take benefits from us. And if we stop them from taking wrong advantage of us, in order to do so, the heart becomes hard and we do not feel kind towards such people. What should we do in such situations? Should we let them use us? Well, it will depend, you know, like, but generally when someone is taking undue advantage, like, you know, taking things from you, but not really responding to your preaching, that means he is making a fool of you. Do you want to become a fool? Don't become a fool. (laughs) Alright? Use your intelligence. Okay? Rochit Khandelwal. Okay. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. One. My question is from yesterday's class. When Durjodhan went to ask for Krishna's army for Mahabharat, he gave it. However, what we heard was that all Kaurav's army was annihilated even though they were given by Krishna. Yes, by Krishna's arrangement, they also were sent back. As I said, the role is played. Okay, now you can take off your makeup and go home. However, on the other case, you told that Narayan Sena, no one was killed when they were fighting on Krishna's side. Yeah. Generally, when Krishna fought with others, uh, his people, those who were siding with him, 
none of them get killed. So, now you have to decide which side you'll fight for. <laughs> so, how we can understand the science behind Narayana Sena being killed on Kaurava side? Here you can see, we have to understand that killing, because they are Krishna's, uh, when they got killed, they went back to Godhead. That killing means uh, they were, they came here and their role was performed, business was finished, now they left. Mm. <clears throat> Ram Govind Das, Mm, question. We get descriptions about eight principal queens and 16,000 other queens which were uh, imprisoned by Narakasura. You have also described that Krishna had 16,108 queens. Is there any description about other hundred queens? Uh, I, yeah, when it is mentioned then we have to understand that the actual number was 16,100. Hmm. Alright. Subhadra and Arjun were cousins in one sense. Nowadays such marriages are not sanctioned. Uh, was marriage between Arjun and Subhadra a special case or a Vedic custom? Well, in the Vedic culture the Kshatriyas could marry their cousins. Hmm. Like, for example, Rukmini's son, Pradumna, married Rukmi's daughter. So that is, that was alright in Vedic culture. Rajeshri Radhika Devidasi. Okay. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. You said Arjun was very attached to women. At the same time, Arjun is called Gurakesha. How these two things are possible at the same time? What is the main? What is the meaning of the word Gurakesha? Huh? Okay, so one can be attached to women and at the same time conquer sleep. <laughs> and. Arjun, uh, did I say Arjun was attached to women? Oh, attractive. I said attractive, attractive to women. Main bola tha attractive to women, not attached to women. All right. Yeah, Shampiari, your translation. <laughs> And then, and how a great devotee like Arjun can be attached to him. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Gaur.